Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And we're coming in hot today, people. We're coming in hot. Uh, As always, there's tons to talk about. No shortage of topics. But also, and I was telling our friends on KTTH, which is for those of you down in Phoenix and Portland, and they are the local radio station here in Seattle that this all started on. And the way the timing works out, we have a three-minute little entrance with them. But what I was telling them is that we kind of did something a little out of the norm this, this week. With everything that was going on with energy prices, especially this week, we had on Tracy Shukart on Wednesday to do a, a one-hour interview, a deep dive, right? Uh, Ripping it apart and getting down to brass tacks, getting the fluff out, getting out the anecdotal nonsense and getting down to the data, getting down to the facts about what's going on in energy markets. And, you know, I obviously I'm biased guys, but I, here's one of the things that we have to look at with investing. You can have two people that have completely differing views. And then when you go look at the data, you can tell pretty clearly that one of them is right and one of them is wrong, right? One of their opinions or one of their views corresponds with the data that we have and one of theirs does not. The crazy thing about investing is even when you see that, right? Even when one side is wrong about the facts, the other side is right. It still doesn't guarantee that the guys that right, that's right about the facts is going to be right about the price trajectory, especially with something like energy. And one of the reasons that energy is like that is because there's so many variables involved. You know, you're literally, pardon the pun, but it's an extraordinarily liquid market. I couldn't help myself. Uh, <laughs> these are dad jokes, as my kids call them. Um, but, but you, you know, you, everybody in there, you know, buying, selling, you got it moving from this country, and then it's got to be refined over there. So just because uh, nobody knows for sure, guys, and, and I wish more guys were honest about that, and I want to be really forthright about that. I want to bring the data to your attention. I want to let you know what we think about it, but it always has to be done with this backdrop of, but that does not guarantee it plays out that way. And if you don't think like that, what it means is you haven't managed money for very long. It's one of the things that we joke around with which is you have, and I talk to our guys about this all the time, and I say it to myself. You know, if, if, if you get cocky, if you get arrogant, if you start thinking you can't miss, you end up like Kathy Wood, right? And again, I'm not saying it to pile on. What I'm saying is, is to use an example as a teaching tool to sit there and say, that's what arrogance and not questioning your own thesis does. And at the end of the day, this job is agnostic. Your job is to make money and protect capital. That's it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about right now. I believe it should be done in a moral manner, meaning I don't think that you should be investing in companies that make the world a worse place or victimize people. And truthfully, there aren't a lot of those companies out there. And and I know like I know the thoughts about social media. I'm not saying that they're good companies, but I'm just saying every you know, you've got to exercise your morality in there, too. At least I believe you know, like I've said before, we refuse to invest in anything that has anything to do with pornography. Um, that's a personal take. I know buddies that don't have a problem with that. Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't uh, do that. Again, it's just my, my, my firm belief. Um, but, but you always, you always have to think about the worst case scenario. Because that's, that's why we focus on risk management. Right? It's not, if, if, if we're right, there's nothing to worry about. So what should we be thinking about? We should be more focused on what we do if we're wrong. And unfortunately, that's not how people invest. And it's how they should invest. And I think this year in our value fund is a perfect example of that. Here we are sitting down looking at a market that's down 12% on the year. Value's up four. Is it because we're smarter than everybody? We're about flat on the year altogether. Uh, But is it because we're smarter than everybody? No. It's because we're looking at the world going, what could go wrong? And, and, And protecting against it. And, and 
oftentimes I have found that that looking for what could go wrong, what could hurt us, a lot of times, most times actually, ends up being the sources of our biggest wins. Right? Because again, when we're not getting hit and everybody else is, we have a massive advantage. The other thing it does is, I think I told you guys the story. We, going into November of last year, our value portfolio was up 40. And I think at that time, the S&P was up like 17 or 18. Okay. Then the Omicron variant gets announced and everybody gets freaked out. that They're going to lock down the economy again, which we said on the radio was nonsense. It's not going to happen. But that fear plunged oil 26% in about, I think it was like two weeks. And we didn't agree with this. So we just wrote it out and stuck to our guns. Well, what happened was we took a hit. Value dropped 13% uh, from the high, and we ended up, you know, up 27.8, I want to say, and the S&P was like 26. So we gave out back all that outperformance. Okay, but now in the first two months of this year, right, our assessment of what could go wrong and the way to protect against it, it's put us up four and the S&P now down, I think, 12 or 11, 11 and a half, somewhere around there. But what I'm saying is that's another example. Now you look at the outperformance. If we go to January of last year, I believe the S&P is up like 12 and a half, 13. And then from January of last year, now the value portfolio is up 32, 33, right? Through what? We're up 4% this year. We're not knocking the book cover off the ball, but we're not down 11. That's another example of what I'm saying is by not losing capital, you drastically improve your returns. I, and I get so frustrated as I have these conversations and I understand, I sympathize with the clients, but I hear this, not, not all the time, but I hear, well, Zach, I love the risk management, but I really need to make some money. You know, I really want to generate some returns. Guys, that's how you do it. So anyway, uh, let's get into the, the rest of the market update. Um, I'm assuming you guys saw the move in oil. Uh, obviously you've heard us pounding the table on that for a long time. It doesn't really surprise us. Uh, the interesting thing I think about the energy markets right now is there seems to be this attitude out there that as soon as the Russia Ukraine thing and as the current administration is trying to hang this, 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 this price surge in energy, uh, on Putin and the Ukraine issue. And I think that what they're forgetting to mention is that we were at 95 to hundred bucks last, you know, before this Ukraine Russian thing even got started just based on supply and demand, right? So now at 130, did you have geo? And remember the other thing that we were talking about, guys, we we're like, hey, not only is the supply demand situation in oil so explosive, meaning, you know, there's just not enough, but you also had no geopolitical risk tied in. And I think I was in a conversation with Chase Taylor where we said, you know, we think that geopolitical risk could tack 25 to 30% on this thing overnight. That's exactly what happened. That's what happens. To, that's what happens to oil when geopolitical risk becomes, um, you know, becomes realized. Uh, so now I hear everybody talking, oh, the top's in on oil. Look, this is where I go back to um, what I was just talking about. Meaning if you look at the fundamentals, it looks like anything but that. Okay, if you look at supply, you look at production, you look at well depletion, you look at everything that you look at, and then you look at global uh, demand, it, I, it, it just looks like it's, continue, it's still got to go a lot higher. Does that guarantee it will? No. And, and what do you mean? Look at it at the end of last year, right? It plunged 26% in two weeks, and, it, and it, it was completely wrong. There was no fundamental reason behind that move. As a matter of fact, the fundamentals were pointing it to going the other way, but it just shows you what a crazy beast it can be. And this is why you, you know, it's, it's kind of popular to have that opinion. Well, that's why I went all in on oil. No, you're a fool if you go all in on oil, right? Because just go pull up a historical chart. The other reason why you're a fool if you go all in at any given point is because if, well, and, and really with oil, it's not if, it's when. When it gets cheaper, you want more dry powder to be able to buy more of it, right? So, and guys, you know, we came into, we've been telling you, you know, short tech. I mean, the trend keeps playing out. We've actually had a really beautiful thing. We've been pretty much short the NASDAQ in our value portfolio the entire year. And we've been periodically harvesting those profits and putting them into the stocks that we like. Um, I, 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 as far as the market goes, <clears throat> um. It's a mess. It's a mess, guys. And, and this is not when you want to be attacking on risk, uh, probably not even in energy markets at this point. Um, there's just too many unknowns. 
especially if you don't know how to manage the risk of a portfolio. So I don't want anybody out there thinking that this is a can't lose. And Zach was saying that it's going, look, I think that over the next few years, I think that all commodities are probably going to go significantly higher. That's the way it looks. But commodity cycles are wild animals. And unless you know what you're doing, you know, um, make it a component. If you're a home gamer, make it a component of your portfolio, but don't get greedy. Okay, just because this stuff will beat the living heck out of you. And like I said, at the end of last year, it was a perfect example of that. Now, we've been through this before. So we actually, you know, it ended up being right. There was no guarantee to it. But when oil got smacked, we actually added to our positions during that. And so we came out on the other side. But, you know, and that's what makes it so tough in energy markets. Because if we see something move against us 30, 35% in a, in, in a matter of two weeks which is what a lot of those stocks did. It's totally understandable that people panic and sell out. But what you have to understand is that when you're dealing with commodity bull markets, 25, 35% pullbacks is just part of the game. And, and that's why you can't go all in because if you've got dry powder, you can take advantage of those pullbacks and you can pivot off those support levels. And it really takes some trading knowledge and trading experience. So um, you know, my advice to you guys is, yeah, have, have, you know, if you're a home gamer, have some energy in your portfolio, but don't load up. And that way, if it pulls back, you can see that as an opportunity, right? It's, it's when things get cheaper, we should like buying them more. And it doesn't always feel good. I'm with you. I'm not immune to that. Um, but you know, that's it. I, you know, we're looking at the Russia Ukraine situation. Bottom line, the longer this lasts, the higher commodity prices go, especially oil. Okay. What pace it does that, you know, could it dip below 100 before it moonshots? Sure. Do I think it's topped out at 130? No, I don't. I don't even think it's close to topped out. But again, that's all, you know, that's, that's all anecdotal and that's subjective on my part. So, and, and, and that's why I want you guys to be cautious. I'm not just trying to stay out of trouble with the regulators. I'm also looking at it and saying, you know, most of you that are listening to this show are probably not sitting in front of your screen all day long. And you probably haven't been managing other people's money for 15 years. And, and I don't want you to go into thing, you know, cause when things go against us or things change, we pull the ripcord, we're out of there. Okay. We're not taking, you guys know me risk management. What am I not doing? We're not taking losses. Three rules of managing other people's money. According to Warren Buffett, the first rule is don't lose money and rule two and three are refer back to rule number one. Um, so, you know, so we're, we're going to pull the trigger quick. Um, and that's why I just think you guys need to be careful. I, I had a back and forth with a great guy that's a sh- listener to the show. And, uh, he told me some of the holdings that, that he's bought because we discussed them on the show. And I told him right over email, I go, you need to dial those positions back. They're a little bit too big. Um, you know, we want flexibility and, um, you know, guys, again, it's kind of a tenant of risk management. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. I see all the time people go like, why did you put so much into it? And they're like, well, I thought I bottomed and I just wanted to get a big run. And you're like, well, okay, but if you put like, so for instance, putting 10% in the stock, right? 10% of your portfolio in the stock, they go, oh, I thought it was going to rip and I didn't want to miss out and I want to make big gains. Okay. But here's, here's the flip side. Why not put in 3%? And if it moonshots, you're still a hero, right? I mean, you wish you would have had more. But that's, that's what you wish on every winning trade. You know, we've all sat back there and gone, man, I should have put 20% of the portfolio. No, you shouldn't have because you didn't know the outcome. And at 3%, if it gets hit by 25 or 30% for some nonsense reason, you can step in there and dollar cost average lower, right? That's risk management. You know, another form of risk management we've talked about on the show, like I said, that's why we use shorts. And I know it scares people. It's probably not a good sales technique. But if you know what you're doing inside of a portfolio, you can really, you can buffer yourself from a lot of that quote unquote market risk or just general, you know, craziness that, that, that occurs in markets. You can mute out a lot of that kind of one-off or idiosyncratic risk and, you know, stabilize your portfolios. So, but that's about it for the market update guys. I mean, right now it's pretty much just the Russia Ukraine story and the commodity side of it. Um, it, my feeling is, is if there was an announcement and this Russia Ukraine issue was over overnight. Um, I think you'd see oil probably drop hard. I wouldn't be surprised to see it get to 90, possibly even break 90. Uh, if it did, um, it wouldn't be fun to watch the stocks get hit, but I'd probably be a buyer again, not recommending that for any of you markets are starting to reflect more fundamentals, but there's still a lot of big disconnections. And if you want to know what I'm talking about, go pull up 
you know, an energy ETF XOP and watch how many days, you know, today you've got uh, Nat, uh, oil up three, Nat gas is up like three or four, uh, XOP, the energy stocks are down about one and a half percent on the S&P 500. So what that's telling me is the market thinks that this is basically over. Market thinks that you've pretty much hit peak oil. Uh, I think they're dead wrong. Um, I think the energy stocks are, it's amazing to me how little they have rallied considering this move in oil. I think it's pretty stunning. So anyway, that's about it for the market update, guys. Again, if what we're saying resonates to you and you want an active manager that can protect capital and that can generate positive returns, not every time, but generate positive returns, even when the market's going down. If you want somebody sitting behind that screen all day long, guarding your money as if it's their own, give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. It's a better mousetrap, lower your fees, drastically increase your upside, and most importantly, vastly reduce your risk. Guys, this is the time. It is the time for active management. It is the time to have macroeconomics involved in your portfolios. And so many of you out there riding index funds and ETFs, uh, uh, ETFs and mutual funds, you're concentrated in the stuff that's getting killed. What you've experienced at the beginning of this year is not a one-off, and I don't think it's stopping anytime soon, guys. This is what happens when bubbles pop. This is also what happens to high valuation stocks when rates and inflation pick up. And if you think inflation is going to be here at all the state, you must adjust your portfolio. So give us a call, 866-779-RISK. You guys know the drill. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe to knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Dory Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, so... This would be a shorter segment here, but I want to kind of focus in a little bit on commodities, not just oil and natural gas. There's plenty of that that's going to be addressed in, in the interview that we have today. And again, if you're just joining us, we broadcast out an interview specifically on uh, the energy topic with one of the brightest minds in, in oil and energy that I know of, uh, somebody whose research that I rely on, trust, uh, just a brilliant lady, uh, Tracy Shukart, and she was kind enough to come in, in midweek and do an update. So if you really want to get beyond the nonsense, the mainstream media's ridiculous interpretation of what's going on, and you just want the facts, listen to that interview we did. You can just get it at knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com, or just Google Know Your Risk Radio. Uh, it's Tracy Shukart. You'll see her right there at the top. And it's about a 55-minute interview. So we're going to run about 15 minutes of that on the show today just because I think it's really important. And it's obviously, it's obviously topical, right? And, 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 and appropriate to be discussing at this point. But I want to focus on now on some of the other commodities because I think you see a lot of interesting moves. Again, if you've been listening to this show for a long time or for any amount of time for that matter, you've probably heard us talk about uranium uh, in the interesting setup that is there. And, and just to give you a little primer on it, on average, industry-wide, uranium takes about $65 a pound to produce. Uh, over much of the last eight, nine years, the price of uranium has traded between the high teens to low thirties. Okay. So it has been a nuclear winter for that, for that industry. Now, what is so intriguing to us is that if you are realistically, realistically aiming to lower emissions, nuclear needs to become a much bigger part of the grid. 
If nuclear needs to become a much... Now, think about this. Okay, that's what we've been saying. Okay, over the next seven years, Japan is going to reopen 30 of its nuclear reactors. They've already opened a couple, so they probably... Maybe they're only opening up another 25, 26. Give it time. Germany's going to turn theirs back on. Okay, China is building several. France announced a $32 billion investment in nuclear energy as well. Consumption of uranium is going to go higher. Now, what have these companies done to try to weather this storm? They've shut down a lot of uranium mines. There's been a lot of divestment. Uh, there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on uh, in the markets as far as, um, <clears throat> as, far as uh, uh, something I have seen that I have not seen in another commodity market. And if it's happened out there, you can DM me or shoot me an email because I'd be happy to hear about it. But I'm not aware of it. Where the situation got so bad that a lot of the miners in order to fulfill their contractual obligations to deliver uranium to people, they quit mining it and they just started buying it on the open market because they could buy it for a fraction of what it cost them to mine it. So you kind of look at uranium right now and it's a scenario where if you think nuclear energy is going to come to the forefront, which I look at this situation right now and I think that this, you know, I feel more certain about that today than I ever have, right? If, if, if you think nuclear is going to be a big part going forward, then the bottom line is uranium has to go up a lot. Why do I say that? Because the only way you're going to attract capital to open new uranium mines and invest is if people think you can do it at a profit. So you're kind of look at this scenario where, hey, either uranium has to go up a lot or there won't be any nuclear reactors. Now, I'm not 100% certain how it's going to play out. I'm not 100% certain that that's exactly how it's going to play out in the end. But those are the kind of bets I like, right? Because I just don't see that being the case. And for those of you that don't know, nuclear is the safest form of energy. There's this attitude out there, well, yeah, but you, they could explode. No, nuclear, I mean, they can explode due to pressure, but it's not a nuclear explosion. It's not possible. Now you can get radiation leakages. My whole point though is that if you look at if you look at nuclear energy and the deaths and hardships and injuries assigned to it that we can attribute it to it, it is by far and away the safest form of 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 energy that we have. People go, "Yeah, well, put produces nuclear waste." Very little. Very little. That we now have the capability to stick on a rocket and shoot to outer space. And, and the pushback in it just kind of blows my mind because I'm like, wait a second, you, we got to lower emissions to save the planet, but you're worried about a little pile of nuclear waste? Kind of seems misplaced to me. Um, another interesting fact that I want to throw out, you we've talked about natural gas a lot. Fascinating stat. If we converted, if we looked at Southeast Asia and we converted just Southeast Asia's coal-fired power plants to natural gas, you would lower global emissions by 50%. So these people that are pushing back against natural gas, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not calling you out and calling you stupid, but if the point is to lower emissions, guys, you got to do it gradually. And gas is a beautiful form of energy that is so much cleaner than what we're currently using. Let's not choose perfection over progress. Anyway, we got to take a quick break right there. But that uranium story, keep an eye on it. And, and, you know, I do think it should be represented in your portfolio, not a recommendation. I'm not telling you to put 25% in, but I think that this should be. I think it's, it's, it's a smart play considering what the world's looking at. Got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. As always, give us a call if you want somebody managing your money that's looking at things like this and trying to preserve capital and managing risk. 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. We'll be right back. Stick with us. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. With all this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise, and when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond 
replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. All right. So a couple other things that I want to get to. If, if you want to, hopefully watching what we've been talking about now for really, well, we were early, <laughs> unfortunately, as we almost always are. But really in the fall of 2020 is when we were saying, look, um, we really think that the calculus has moved. It's shifted. Um, we think it is time to get out of the high value tech stuff and really to go to uh, value, um, uh, commodities, things of that nature. Um, as a matter of fact, a lot of that speculative tech stuff topped out at the end of January, about three or four months after we said that. Um, and it has just continued to get obliterated. If you own some of these stocks and you've been hit, I am not trying to make light of that. I'm not cheering for anybody to get smashed. But one of the things that I always talk to our employees about, and we talk about uh, in my family as well, is that when we make a mistake or when we have something bad happen or we get hit or, you know, any of those other, you know, in markets or in life in general or whatever, we've already paid the price. We've already paid the way I put it to my kids and my employees is that we've already paid the price of tuition. The only way that this is an all negative occurrence is if we don't do the postmortem and learn the lesson, right? Um, if you did get pounded, I, I, I'm, I feel for you. Nobody likes to see that. Um, but, but there's an important lesson to learn. And I think a really good illustration of it, again, not trying to pile on this guy, but there's a guy out named out there, Ross Gerber, that runs a firm down. He's been one of the most vocal Tesla fans, all of the high-flying tech stuff, Kathy Wood, all that kind of stuff. And he put out a video on Twitter um, talking just basically, basically pulling the whole, the market is wrong, everything's irrational, the only stock you should be buying right now is Tesla. The reason I point to that is, um, not to pick on him and not to rub salt in anybody's wounds. The reason I point to it is go listen to his video. A lot of the fat of the stats and the things that he's citing about Tesla are true. As a matter of fact, I didn't hear anything in his presentation that was factually incorrect. The mistake that I believe that he is making and so many investors like him are making is the entire thesis for why he's saying you should buy Tesla's, how great the future is and how many cars they're going to sell. Look, I don't have any doubt that Tesla's going to sell more cars last year than they did this year. I don't have any doubt. That to me is beside the point. Okay, the thing's worth 850 to 900 billion dollars. That success is already priced into that stock. It's the most expensive automobile company in history. Valuation matters. And just because your revenues are going up doesn't mean your stock's going to follow. Right. It's just common sense at a certain point. Meaning stocks just don't go up because I have heard that comment so many times that 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 company's down 20 percent in after hours, but they beat on their earnings. You know, they beat their earnings estimates by 10 percent. And you look at them and go, guys, it's trading at 50 times revenue at the end of the day. And you can ignore what I'm saying and you can write off what I'm saying. At the end of the day, you're buying a cash flow. You're buying a business. And like Buffett says all the time, there are no bad assets. They're just bad prices. If Tesla is everything the bulls say, I still think it's going to be a loser for a long time at this price. Why? Because the cash flows can't justify it. It doesn't make any sense. That's why it's down 40%. And that's why it's probably going to lose another 40 and it would still be the most expensive automobile manufacturer. And, and, and this is why we've been sounding the alarm on it, too, not to beat up on these companies, but just to explain to people that you're in a mania mentality. You're stuck in the middle of the, you've, especially lately, not as much recently, you know, because there, there is some sense coming back and some fundamental sensitivity coming back into this market, thank God. But you've been in this, 
this euphoric bubble type scenario. And guys, you can try to buck the trend. You can try to, you know, shoot for the one in a million shot. And, you know, maybe this will be the one time that it doesn't conform. But eventually a business is a cash flow stream or, or multiple cash flow streams. If you pay too much money for that cash flow stream, it's not going to be a good investment. Conversely, it's like Bed Bath & Beyond. We made 10x on Bed Bath & Beyond in eight months. Did I think it was the greatest investment of all time? No. I'm not even long the stock anymore. Why did we buy it? Because the price we got it at made it a f- phenomenal investment. It wasn't one of the greatest companies in the world. Not even close. It's a retailer. It's not even a great retailer. But that goes to Buffett's point. There are no bad assets. There's just bad prices. If you want to go out and buy used Yugos, right? If you get them cheap enough, you can scrap them out for metal and make money. Conversely, you go out and buy Tesla at $1,200 a share. And in my opinion, you buy it at $795 a share, which is where it's currently trading. It's not going to be a good investment. Does that mean they're crap? Does that mean their cars suck? No. But fundamentals matter, guys. And not only do they matter, but they're the only thing that matters. That's what investing is. And you can either choose to learn that lesson the hard way, or you can listen to people that have, like me, and just realize that that when you do it this way, there will be periods of times where you look really wrong. But like I said, it's just like our, you know... Nobody was running around talking about the brilliance of Zach Abraham and Bulwark Capital like they were Kathy Wood. Right. But now you go look at us since the beginning of 2020. She's flat. We're up like 45 percent. Right now, there was a period of time in those two years where we were trailing her massively. But what does it matter if you just give it all back? Risk management isn't just about not losing. It's about improving your overall returns over time. And it works. It's like Novocaine. You just got to give it time. doesn't mean it's always exciting. It's not always fun to sit there and watch people make money on stocks and make significant amounts of money on stocks that you think are worthless. But this is a marathon. And when you can lose 70% in eight or nine months, I just hope the reason I point out that video is if you watch it, listen to what he's saying. I, I think he knows the company. Well, again, I don't disagree with any of his points. I think his facts are sound, but he never once mentions value. He never once mentions the relationship of the price you're paying for the stock today in relationship to the financial pro- production of the company down the line. He just says, oh, man, they're going to sell more cars. Great. They need to. They need to sell more cars than anybody on the planet, and they need to do it for a decade at higher margins than anybody else does to achieve the price they're trading at now. And, and, and if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me go on these rants. And I've, we've been calling this. We've been saying it's going to happen. And now it's happening right in front of you. And I'm watching all these people think that now's the time to go in and quote unquote buy the dip. Look, three months from now, they could be correct. But I think a lot of those companies that have been hammered, I don't think you're going to see them come back. Now, the interesting thing is I think that there's been a lot of babies thrown out with the bathwater. Why do I think that? Because I go look at the share price of the stock in relationship to the cash flows. And that is one of the major reasons that our value portfolio is up 4% year to date and the market's down 12, right? Because that approach wins out over time. Most importantly, it doesn't result in 70% losses in a nine month period of time. If that interests you, if less risk, greater performance to the upside and lower fees, if it interests you, and guys, that's the holy grail of investment. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. You can speak to me. You can speak to one of our advisors. We just show you how we do things. Here's the performance. Here's how we do it. There's the numbers. This is what it costs you. Let us know if you'd like to do it. That's all it is. Just educate yourselves, guys, because we've been warning you and warning you and warning you. And we're not perfect. We're never going to be. But I think things have played out pretty much like we've said they would. Hopefully that should build some credibility. We're trying to help people and we're trying to save people from a lot of pain that we think is coming down the tra- tracks. So give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. We'll be right back. Russ, are we starting the interview right now? 
Or yeah, okay, we're going to be right back. We're going to launch the interview with Tracy that's all about oil and energy, and, and, and we're going to run about 15 minutes of it. Go to the uh, podcast page to get the full interview. If you want to hear what's really going on in energy and the nuts and bolts and none of the nonsense and none of the political shading, you want to listen to this. And it, it's going to give you the lowdown. It's about 55 minutes. You guys are going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. Anyway, we got to go. We got to take we've got to take quick break. We'll be right back with the interview. So stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. Every day there's a new headline. Major corporations require mandatory vaccinations. And these mandates have a lot of people thinking about early retirement. If you're exploring your options, listen up. It's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital, host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, this is a big life-changing decision. It's a huge decision. A lot of people don't know if they can retire or when they can retire. In fact, many Boeing employees contacted us for their VLO early retirement decision last year, and most didn't think they were able to retire. But more than half of them could. Look, the last thing you want in a time like this is to leave your portfolio vulnerable. And that's why we emphasize risk management. We have the experience to guide you through the numbers and show you when it's your right time to retire. Don't you want to know? Call Zach now and find out. 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you guys so much for joining us. A little special edition midweek deep dive interview. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot going on. Uh, And oil is at the center of it. Energy is at the center of it. And my thoughts, uh, our guest today is one of probably two people that I think about when I've got a question about what's going on with energy. Um, And so naturally... We reached out to her and see if she was willing to come on today and and fill us in on on some developments. We've had a lot of those in the last 24 hours and uh, probably we'll have a lot more. So without further further ado, Tracy also at Shy Girl is how I. It's so funny, Tracy, when we talk because I, I I think of you as Shy Girl, right? It's the it's the it's the Twitter it's the Twitter handle. <laughs> Um, I know. You know that, that I came to know you through. And so anyway, but Tracy, thank you so much for joining us and agreeing to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So I think the best place to start, um, you know, especially for the listeners to our show and our podcast, I think they're, you know, most people are aware of what's going on in energy markets now, but we've seen a pretty sharp pullback here in oil. Uh, you yeah. and I t- uh, DM'd a little bit yesterday and you were telling me that we needed a pullback. Um Kind of walk us through where you think we are and, and, and what you were looking for when you said we needed a pullback. And then the announcements that came out today. Uh, we've got about three announcements, Tracy, that I wanted to, I wanted to run by you. Uh, okay. You know, first, on the, as it pertains to the actual commodity, I think, you know, I think that the news that's moving markets today is more, um, I don't know what the word is, you know, more ephemeral, right? There's not a lot of data tied to it. Whereas, you know, we have, we have announced the embargo on our side. Uh, Russia said that they're going to restrict the export of certain natural resources. Um, What does, what do those two actions, uh, what we know about them anyway, what do those two actions do to oil markets and where does that put us compared to where we were before those announcements were made? Right. Well, I mean, to be honest, if you look at um, the U.S., um, we'll start with the U.S. de facto embargo. First, we don't really buy that much from Russia, right? We get 2% of our oil from Russia. And we actually don't – we mostly buy product from them. So we buy Mazout 100, which is like a heavy fuel oil that we use for blending with the lighter stuff to make – 
distillates, which we need. That said, those quantities are not so large that we can't get them from somewhere else. I mean, okay. we could we could get them from Canada. We can get some stuff from Brazil. And then the administration is currently begging Venezuela for oil. They'll let them off sanctions if U.S. is the only person to um, that they will export to. <laughs> okay, so okay, so hold on. And I, this is on one of my lists I want to talk to you about. Uh, does first of all, does Venezuela? You, you were saying that the way that we replace our Russian oil, you thought Brazil was the place to go. Why would we be right. going to Venezuela? Um, you know, I, I I think this administration has no grasp of uh, global energy at all whatsoever. I mean, if we look at what Venezuela is producing right now is, you know, they're at about 800,000 barrels per day down from 3.5 million Jeez. barrels, you know, at the height, right? So, right. I mean, they have aging infrastructure. Their refineries catch on fire all the time. I mean, this isn't really where you want to be going. And also there's a way to look at this, you know, Russia and Venezuela trade a lot in oil. So, I mean, it's very possible if we, you know, if, if Venezuela says, okay, we'll sell to to the United States, you're going to lift sanctions. Um, we don't actually know if they're not selling us Russian oil right back. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't put it past them, right? Right, because they don't really have it either. So, you know, th- that's just something to think about as well. Is is the Venezuelan oil the right kind of oil that would fill in that gap of, of the yeah. Okay, it's, it is. It's, it's a heavy stuff. So, I mean, if, you know, I mean, if we could find more ways to import, we could, I mean, Canadian oil sands could cover that as well. And if we could find more ways to import that, you know, that's totally doable and right across the border. It costs, you know, a lot less money to, you know, move it that from, uh, you know, our border instead of halfway across the world, right? Right, right. Okay, so now what about the Russian ban on exports? What, 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 where right. does that fit in? What is that doing? We, you know, what, what, have you read through the details on that? I don't even know if there have been details yeah. released. There haven't really been any details released so far. What they said yesterday is in two days' time, they will do, put a list out of countries that they're going to ban exports to. But they also didn't say what products. I mean, all they said was products and raw materials. Now, to me, that doesn't really sound like energy. That sounds like finished goods and perhaps metals. Uh, But that's just me speculating. Again, we just don't have the details right now. Okay. Okay. Now, where are we at? One of the things that I was curious about is as long as this Russian situation goes on, um, it seems to me, and, and, and feel free to tell me if I'm looking into this correctly, but it seems to me like we're sort of in a situation where as long as this situation goes on, I would expect energy prices. Now, who knows at what pace you know, this happens? I, I don't pretend to know. Maybe you do. Um, but if, as long as this situation keeps going, I would expect energy prices just to keep climbing north. Do you think that's is, – is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, if the uncertainty remains, um, and we also have to look at, you know, closely watch how many barrels, even though the United States said they're not buying from Russia, but it's really only like 600,000 barrels per day out of the 5 million that they export. Um, uh, And the UK said that they would uh, be slowly... You know, they're going to take a year to kind of get off Russian oil. They do buy a little bit more than us. About 10 percent of what they get comes from Russia. But I think also we saw markets take a little bit of a relief because people were expecting perhaps EU to um, to sanction Russian oil, which, you know, this morning Germany was adamant they are not going to, which is (laughs) It's kind of difficult for them because they get 40% of all their um, oil and gas from Russia. So they can't just turn it off. Now, we'll have to closely watch, you know, there seems to be, you know, a lot of the international community is kind of getting on companies to disengage from Russia. So we'll have to see how the international community reacts to the EU. But on top of that, what we also have to watch is 
although um, there's limited sanctions on oil, it's really just the United States and Canada, which Canada hasn't bought oil from since 19 or since 2019. So. That was kind of just a political gesture. Um, but we are seeing companies sort of self-sanction, right? So we're, we've already seen about 1.5 million barrels of Russian oil taken off the market just because people are scared to touch it. Um, and about 1 million barrels per day of product. Uh, we are seeing, you know, a shipping, the shipping industry, some we're seeing a lot of ship owners don't really want to go pick up Russian oil because they're afraid of uh, sanctioning. Um, we're also watching Asian buyers kind of hunting for more Saudi crude um, and less Russian crude. Um, we're seeing some banks like that. We're seeing some companies struggle with getting bank guarantees. So there is some. Uh, oil coming off the market just because people are kind of scared to touch it right now. Now, if these, you know, two, you know, 1.5 million barrels a day on oil, it's not too terrible at this point. Uh, but we do need to watch that and see if those numbers grow. Okay. And then, and then obviously, I, you know, I think we all know what's happening at the margin and what, you know, the, the chaos that this whole scenario has, put, has injected into oil markets and energy markets. Have we seen an impact uh, in terms of inventories and supplies in the last two months? Like, have we seen a real, you know, uh, a, a real impact on the, on the you know, um, the nuts and bolts of the industry as far as are we, are we seeing the impact in lower inventories, bigger draws, or is it, are we kind of in the same place that we were? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I, over the last, I mean, this market is very tight, no matter how you're going to look at it right now, mm -hmm. right? I mean, a, a lot of, um, you know, that big push up to $130 a barrel was, you know, risk premium put into the market um, over Russia, Ukraine. But, you know, aside from that, you know, we were already close to $100 a barrel, right? And that's because of the basic fundamentals of the market. The market's very tight. I mean, if we look at the U.S. market, for example, the WTI contract, which is actually Cushing storage, we're down to 22.2 million barrels in that. Now, their stated capacity is 90 million barrels, but you need room at the top of the tanks to transfer oil. So, I say, like, realistically, it can hold 75 million barrels. We're down to 22.2. I mean, the lowest we've been in the last 20 years is 13.4. So, you know, we're getting to the bottom of the barrel here. So, you know, that's why we're also seeing that uh, crude in severe backwardation right now because that is the actual uh, – you know, U.S. contracts. So th that's the U.S. situation. And if we just look at total crude oil inventories, X, the SPR, we're still 13% um, below the five-year average for this time of year. So inventories are tight in the United States. If we go globally, we're seeing the same thing. We're seeing, you know, vortex of floating storage. We're seeing those uh, come down. Uh, Fujara data, that's the UAE um, product storage. They just had the largest draw ever in middle distillates, which is the diesel. Um, so we're seeing inventories drawing in products and oil globally, right? And OPEC plus, you know, they, they can't, even though they keep increasing um, per month, 400,000 bar 400, barrels per day, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that they're unable to keep up with that. So, for example, you know, in December, they were at like 119% compliance. In January, they were 129% compliance. In February, they're 146% compliant. So they're just not, I mean, you can raise, you know, the paper limit all you want, but if you can't actually produce that, then... You have a problem. Yeah, it doesn't really matter, right? Right. What? What are you paying attention to? Because um, it seems to me, uh, I heard that, and I have not checked today, but as of yesterday, nat gases and nat gas prices, as crazy as they've been in Europe, um, just kind of went off the charts. Are you keeping an eye on the nat gas situation as well? Yeah, I mean, I mean, nat gas. Obviously, you know, it's been crazy volatile in Europe. 
and um, and in Japan in that uh, JKM and the TTF contract, you know, the United States, I mean, we produce a lot of nat gas. In fact, by the end of this year, we've built out enough capacity that we'll be the world's largest exporter of nat gas. So, you know, our nat gas contract hasn't really moved a lot. The only contract that we have seen move a lot in the U.S., which got up to about $13, was when we were having that polar vortex in the Northeast. And that's just because of the logistics, because they don't want pipelines up there. So, um, so it's more, more expensive in the winter up there. Uh, but besides that, you know, the, you know, the, our contract has remained pretty steady because we just have so much of it. Okay. Now, where do we, where are we at in terms of when you and I were DMing yesterday, you said that we were in sore need of a pullback. Yeah. Um, kind of walk us through that. I mean, from the trading side, I, I know what you're talking about, but I know when you right. say that you're looking at the market as well. Uh, kind of give me what, what, what you had in mind, what you're looking for, and then kind of levels that you're watching right now. Yeah. I mean, I think we had too much risk premium in the market. The market was getting too volatile, moving on every single headline. Um, you know, I think we, you know, aside from looking at the charts, technically speaking, um, you know, I think that I think we're going to move higher in the summer because it, oil inventories are tight. That said, I don't want to move higher from 120 or mm-hmm. 130. Do you know, I want to see this market pull back a little bit, give it some breathing room, because I do think we could possibly see 150 this, you know, this summer when we hit high demand season, unless something obviously drastically changes and we suddenly find some barrels of oil somewhere <laughs> under somebody's mattress. Right. <laughs> right. Um, um, so anyway, all right, guys, due to time constraints, we got to cut the interview off right there. But if you'd like to hear the rest of the interview, which I'd strongly suggest just cause I've already heard feedback that we haven't heard this real story and gotten this real information and data on energy from anywhere else. Tracy's as sharp as they come, go to knowyourriskradio.com or just Google know your risk radio podcast you can get the interview there. You can subscribe. Those interviews will get sent directly to your inbox. And you help build up our subscriber numbers, which helps us get better interviews. So we all win. Anyway, got to run. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor.